in a society that doesn't care about what you think or what you know, but only what you can prove in a court of law. Welcome to the show that has an opinion on just about everything criminal justice. No, he's not a lawyer. No, he's not a counselor. He's only armed with his opinion and a plethora of knowledge in the criminal justice system. Here's the host of What You Think Doesn't Matter, Chris Thorne. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of What You Think Doesn't Matter. This week, we're going to jump in our imaginary time machine, and we're going to take a trip down to Sanford, Florida to February 2012. Why do we go there and then at this time, you ask? Well, that's because back in February 2012, a very hot situation took place in which George Zimmerman shot 17-year-old Trayvon Martin. Uh, A lot of people would like to call this a race case, but it really wasn't. We're going to dive into the details of the investigation. We're going to talk about what the investigation got right, what I think they got wrong, and what ended up in getting George Zimmerman acquitted of murder and manslaughter charges. Also going to dive into the evidence that may support or disprove any civil rights violations that the FBI was investigating against George Zimmerman. So grab your coffee, have a seat, and hang on tight. And when we come back, we'll get started. Alrighty, welcome back. So let's go on back to February 26, 2012 in the evening hours. 28-year-old George Zimmerman was on his way home from the store when he saw what he said was a suspicious person walking through a neighborhood that had recently been the victim of numerous uh, robberies, break-ins, and burglaries. He uh, called 911, told him of what was going on. And shortly thereafter, he was confronted by 17-year-old Trayvon Martin. A fight ensued, and Zimmerman shot Trayvon Martin in the chest with one shot, killing him. Now, the whole story pretty much resides on Florida's stand-your-ground laws or self-defense. George Zimmerman stating that he was defending himself and that Martin confronted him. And in response to being attacked, Zimmerman fired a shot. With that being said, let's kind of go into a little bit of the history here. Okay, sometimes some of the media would say that uh, George Zimmerman was the so-called captain of a neighborhood watch program that was not officially recognized by the police department. And he was the self-proclaimed founder and leader of the neighborhood watch program. So let's kind of clarify that a little bit. First of all, the neighborhood watch program was actually voted on and approved at a neighborhood meeting and that Zimmerman was appointed by his neighbors at that meeting to lead the group. Now it was recognized by the Sanford police department. However, It was not actually registered by the local neighborhood watch community program directors who oversees the overall neighborhood watch programs. So once again, the media putting their twist on it was semantically correct, but out of context. Joe, just to add a little bit of a negative light on George Zimmerman. So, but according to George Zimmerman, what had happened that night? He was actually not scheduled to work. He was on his way home from the store. He saw this uh, suspicious-looking person, quote-unquote, direct quote, uh, in the neighborhood. 
and, and due to the recent burglaries and break-ins that have been going on in the neighborhood, he notified 911. When speaking with the dispatcher, Zimmerman told his situation to the dispatcher, and the dispatcher asked if Zimmerman was following, and he made the response of, quote, unquote, yeah. And at which point the dispatcher advised him that there's no need for him to follow, to stay where he was at, and that the and tell him where the cops to meet him. Well, at that point in time, Zimmerman got out of his car looking for a street sign to find out what street he was located on so he can tell the dispatcher. Well, the line goes dead at that point. And then here's where the story begins, and here's where the question of the incident happens. Because now you have a kid who was shot and killed, who cannot provide a statement in his own defense, and then you have the word of George Zimmerman, and there's no no evidence to refute his story. So basically, you got the word of a live dude against a dead person. So according to Zimmerman, when he got out of his vehicle to go look for a street sign to identify his location... He states that at that moment in time, he was confronted by Martin. Martin asked him who he was, what he was doing, why you asked him why he was being followed. He saw that Zimmerman was armed legally, by the way. According to Zimmerman, Martin saw that he was armed and made the comment, you're going to die tonight. At which point, uh, according to Zimmerman, Trayvon smashed his head into the ground which he has uh, lacerations, Zimmerman has lacerations on the back of his head to, to support that allegation, uh, was also seen by witnesses punching Zimmerman, so that was corroborated, and at which point Zimmerman felt his life was in danger, pulled his weapon, and shot him. Now, after the shooting took place, there was massive public outcry demanding that George Zimmerman be arrested for murder. When, in fact, the investigation did not support charges of murder, however, did corroborate Zimmerman's um, testimony and statement. And his testimony and statement was corroborated through physical evidence and through witness statements. However, the, the public didn't agree with that. They're saying that Trayvon Martin would still be alive had George Zimmerman not profiled him. And because of his skin color and because of his clothing, we have to remember out of uh, most of the calls that were called in in recent history to that area or that location had been called in by Zimmerman and that all of the alleged suspects that Zimmerman called in about were black. Now, that may or may not, based on your opinion or what your personal definition of profiling is, may say that Zimmerman was racist and he only targeted black people. Based on the image there, I can see that argument. However, I do not agree that that was the argument. I believe that Zimmerman, in his mind, thought he was doing what he was doing as a commander or captain of the neighborhood watch program and was reporting what he thought was to be suspicious activity based on the history of robberies and burglaries going on in the neighborhood at the time. Does that condone Martin for being shot by Zimmerman? No, it does not. However, I will get into those details here shortly. And hopefully based on that information, you, the listener will come to a conclusion 
that would either affirm or deny what the the state is saying. Now, on the night of the shooting, Zimmerman, although he was not arrested, he was taken down to the station and interviewed over a period of about five hours. Uh, the police chief stated that after conducting their interviews that uh, there was no evidence to refute Zimmerman's claim of self-defense. And then under Florida stand your ground laws, the police were prohibited by law for arresting him. Uh, the police chief also said the Zimmerman had a right to defend himself with lethal force because they had no evidence to refute what Zimmerman was saying. And if Zimmerman saying what in fact true and had Trayvon Martin actually attacked Zimmerman first, then Zimmerman had every legal right to defend himself with deadly force. And under the standard ground laws in Florida, Zimmerman did not have a duty to retreat. Now, a month after the shooting, March of 2012, um, the police chief turned the investigation over to the state's attorney office. All right. Um, there wasn't enough evidence to arrest Zimmerman. And open quote, in this case, Mr. Zimmerman has made the statement of self-defense. And until we can establish probable cause to dispute that, we don't have the grounds to arrest him, end quote. So basically... There's nothing there. And like this show is based, what we think doesn't matter. It's about what can be proven. And right now in this investigation, the state cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt that George Zimmerman acted in violation of the law. Regardless of what the public thinks or what the public wants, it's not about what we want. It's about what we can prove. And during situations like this, emotions run high and everybody wants justice. And I do too. I want justice for the wrongdoers. Okay. But at the same time, we cannot rush to judgment without the evidence to support it. Now, once the state attorney's office re declined to press charges, the following day, detective um, sent a request for an arrest warrant to the state's attorney recommended charges of negligent manslaughter against Zimmerman. Although he didn't believe they had the evidence to support the charges and that manslaughter was only included in the request in order for the prosecutor's office to continue with their own investigation. So basically, it's like, let's go ahead and get this arrest warrant on this charge, even though we can't prove it, just so we can keep him in custody long enough to keep investigating. Or basically, just let's find something to support our narrative so that we can actually get some justice here. But the uh, the warrant request basically states uh, the encounter between George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin was ultimately avoidable by Zimmerman if Zimmerman had remained in his vehicle and waited the arrival of law enforcement or conversely if he had identified himself to Martin as a concerned citizen and initiated dialogue in an effort to dispel each party's concern. There is no indication that Trayvon Martin was involved in any criminal activity at the time of the encounter. I kind of agree with that statement. And so they're based on that statement alone. There's fault on both sides of, of the case. There's fault on Zimmerman's side. There's fault on Martin's side. Does that constitute a crime? No, it does not. Based on that statement, could the situation have been avoided? Possibly. Now with that, because of stand your ground laws, you could say that both parties were at that point in time were covered by stand your ground laws. Trayvon Martin thought that he was being followed by some crazy quote unquote cracker. 
and he wanted to defend himself and find out what this guy was doing following him. And Zimmerman was under the same suspicion. This dude's confronting me. I need to defend myself. So there's there's arguments to both sides there. I don't know what y'all want to go with that, but I can see down the middle. I can see how the situation can be avoided, but at the same time, I can also see how the situation obviously escalated when there are when there were ways to de-escalate it. Okay. Um, so on March 16th, the detective told the local newspaper his investigation turned up no reliable evidence that cast doubt on Zimmerman's account that he had acted in self-defense. Open quote, the best evidence we have is the testimony of George Zimmerman, and he says the decedent was the primary aggressor in the whole event. Everything I have is adding up to what he says. So once again, the state's not going to try and prosecute something if they don't have the evidence to support the charges. So the fact that Zimmerman was even arrested at all and even had to go on trial for murder or or manslaughter was most likely due to political pressure. The state attorney's office was probably under political pressure to file charges, win, lose, or draw. They were under pressure to file charges in an attempt to help quell the civil unrest that was happening on the streets as a result of this situation. All righty, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, medical examiner's autopsy report. We're talking some about some witness accounts as to what happened. Yeah, we're going to dive into a little bit into the civil rights violation investigation that the FBI conducted. So sit tight. We'll be right back. <music> Alrighty, welcome back. So let's get a little bit into the county medical examiner's autopsy report. So the county medical examiner found that Martin was killed by an injury resulting from a single gunshot wound to the chest, fired at intermediate range between 1 and 18 inches. And essentially, that would be considered a contact shot. Um, the autopsy also found that Martin had a small abrasion on his left ring finger below the knuckle, but no other injuries were found. A uh, physician who reviewed the official autopsy report stated in their opinion that Martin lived from 20 seconds to several minutes after he was shot and that Martin likely remained conscious for a little time anyway. Uh, the report also stated that he had trace levels of THC. Um, which, as many of you know, that is the active ingredient in marijuana. And, but his uh, toxicology report that the levels were to be 1.5 nanograms per milliliter of THC and 7.3 nanograms per milliliter of THC-COOH, the main secondary metabolite of THC. And that is what is tested for in most common drug tests because it stays in your blood system for weeks after... Uh, you've had any type of marijuana or cannabis. But it was determined by forensic scientists that the THC amount was so low that it may have been ingested days prior and played no role in Martin's behavior that night. But under oath, the medical examiner who performed the autopsy testified that marijuana could have no effect or some effect on Martin's behavior. So basically, it was like, they don't know. All they can say is that, yeah, he had a little bit of THC in his system from smoking weed, but we can't tell you how long it had actually been in his system, only that it, it could have been that day or the day before, but it had been a long period of time prior to him being shot that he had ingested the THC. 
Okay, now on to witness accounts of the incident. That night, there were a total of eight calls that were recorded that night of people calling 911. Uh, the only witnesses to the end of the confrontation stated that Martin was on top of Zimmerman and was punching him. And at the same time, Zimmerman was yelling for help. The witness stated, open quote, the guy on the bottom who had a red sweater on was yelling to me, help, help, and I told him to stop, and I was calling 911, end quote. He, uh, he also went on to say that when he got upstairs, the guy who was on the top beating up the other guy was the one laying in the grass, and he believed he was dead at that point. So that's one statement that's corroborating uh, Zimmerman's story. And then another witness, a 13-year-old boy was walking his dog, saw a man on the ground shortly before the shooting, identified him as wearing red. But his mother later disputed the testimony and claimed that the police pressured him into choosing the color and that it was too dark for the kid to see any real details. Um, another witness and her roommate um, appeared on a local TV show and stated that they believed there was no punching, no hitting going on at the time, no wrestling just prior to the shooting, but admitting that she neither saw the shooting nor the preceding altercation. So that to me just sounds like somebody who may have heard something, but didn't see anything. And uh, apparently there was a little bit of, how should I put this? A um, little bit dispute as to the accuracy of the statement or as to whether or not the police did anything with her statement because the statement didn't agree with Zimmerman's story and that, uh, the witnesses demanded that the police issue a retraction because uh, they tried to downplay her witness testimony. Uh, another witness statement um, stated that he saw two men on the ground scuffling, then heard the shooting and saw Zimmerman walk away with no blood on him. The, later, the witness later went on to the same local television show and stated that uh, it was too dark to really see if there was any blood on Zimmerman's face or not. He's got to remember this happened at night in the winter time, so it gets dark early. So, uh, another witness who arrived shortly after the shooting uh, revealed photos that he took that night that showed blood trickling down the back of Zimmerman's head from two cuts. It also shows a possible contusion forming on the crown of his head. In layman's terms, a contusion means a bruise. But he admitted that he did not see the scuffle and that he had just heard about it and that he was the first one to arrive on scene, but it was more or less after the fact. Uh, another eyewitness statement given on the night of the shooting describes a black male wearing a dark colored hoodie on top of a white or Hispanic male who was yelling for help. He said the black male was uh, throwing punches, MMA style, and after hearing a pop, he saw the black male laid out on the grass. Uh, when the widow was subsequently interviewed later by a different agency, the witness said he thought that the black male was either punching or pinning the lighter-skinned male underneath him, and but he was not able to say who was calling for help or not. He heard calls for help, but he could not positively identify which one of the two was actually the one calling for help. Um, so as you can tell, the witness statements are corroborating Zimmerman's story. When all you have to rely are witness statements and accountability and a person who was there, his statement, or one side of the story, if they're jiving, then you have a tendency to have to believe that. So as an investigator, if I've got several witnesses that are saying pretty much the same thing as what my quote-unquote suspect is saying, I'm going to have to lean toward the suspect telling me the truth as to what's going on. So after all the witness 
testimony and the investigation was completed, affidavit of probable cause was filed in support of second-degree murder against Zimmerman. Uh, the affidavit described what the investigators alleged took place between Zimmerman and Martin on the night of the shooting. Uh, the prosecutors alleged, and I'm reading this straight from the affidavit, uh, prosecutors alleged that Zimmerman profiled Martin as he was walking back from a nearby store to the townhouse where he was temporarily living. Prosecutors said Zimmerman was driving in his vehicle when he saw Martin and assumed he was a criminal and perceived that Martin was acting suspicious and felt that he did not belong in the gated community. At which point Zimmerman called the police and prosecutors said the dispatcher told Zimmerman an officer was on the way and to wait for him. In the call, Zimmerman made reference to people he felt had gotten away with break-ins in the neighborhood. Investigators alleged that while Zimmerman was talking to the dispatcher, Martin was on the phone with a friend, and she said that Martin was scared because he was following by he correction, he was being followed by an unknown man. Investigators said that Martin attempted to run home, but Zimmerman followed him because he didn't want Martin to get away. Now, mind you, none of this was actually substantiated in any of the witness testimony, okay? And just because a dispatcher advises you to not do something or to do something that is not a lawful order it is not legal and the caller does not have to comply with it it was merely a suggestion so um prosecutors also alleged that zimmerman ignored the dispatcher and continued following martin and confronted him and a struggle ensued when a police arrived at the scene zimmerman admitted to shooting martin in the chest like with everything there's independent um, investigators and legal analysts who like to take shit and tear it apart and give their personal opinion on it. Okay. So uh, the analysis of the charges was basically legal analysts criticized the prosecution for overcharging Zimmerman. They claimed the probable cause affidavit did not support a charge of second degree murder. All right. Uh, they also claimed the affidavit may have been perjurous if the special prosecutor on the case knowingly omitted facts favorable to Zimmerman's self-defense claim. But at the same time, the prosecutor has no obligation to include exculpatory evidence in the affidavit. They only got to provide the facts of the prosecution in the affidavit to file for charges. That's it. That's all they're required to do. But just based on that alone, there is no evidence whatsoever to support the prosecution's claims. All right. Uh, and for that reason, Zimmerman was acquitted at trial. All right. One thing that I've always said is when someone goes on trial for a crime, that does not necessarily mean that they did it or didn't do it. If they're convicted or acquitted, all that basically means is the prosecution, A, was either able to substantiate and prove the allegations against the suspect or defendant, and at which point garnered a conviction, or B, the prosecution was unable to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant committed the alleged crimes, thereby resulting in acquittal. That's what that means. An acquittal does not mean he did or did not do it. It just means the prosecution failed to prove their case. And most of the public either fails to understand that or refuses to understand that because they allow their emotions to get involved and take over their actions. So once the civil case was done, the FBI decided to go ahead and conduct their own investigation into Zimmerman for possible civil rights violations against Martin. After a 35-month investigation, the FBI was able 
correction, the FBI was not able to provide any evidence to suggest that Zimmerman violated any civil rights against Martin and determined that race was not a factor in this incident, regardless of what all those race baiters out there want you to believe. That is why Zimmerman is not in jail right now. His statement was corroborated through investigation and various witness statements, and the prosecution was unable to prove anything. People want to blame that the justice system failed Martin. Well, no, it did not. They want to say that the stand-your-ground laws are um, need to be reformed because they allow too much freedom for people just to go out and start shooting people. No, it does not. This is just one of those situations that when you look into it and based on the evidence, could it have been avoided? Sure, it could have been avoided. Zimmerman could have just done what the dispatcher said, stayed right where he was at, not get out of his car, and Martin may may still be alive today. But according to Zimmerman, when he got out of his car and walked around a corner to see where he was at, that's when he was accosted by Martin. One thing led to another. Zimmerman drew his firearm that he was in legal possession of and shot and killed Martin. Um, unfortunate set of circumstances, but based on the laws in Florida, it was justified. All right. With all that being said, we are about out of time with this week's episode of What You Think Doesn't Matter. Tune in next time as I come up with another topic of discussion in which I express my opinion and feelings about what's going on in the criminal justice system. And as always, if you want to reach out to us, you can send us an email at wytdm at yahoo.com, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like this episode or you like the show, please feel free to like, share, and follow us to receive updates on what's going on with the show and our future avenues. Till next time, uh, be good, be safe, and remember, what you think doesn't matter.